Welcome to the MLS Net Boys Podcast, Episode 9. How's it going, Chase? Doing pretty well. How are you, man? Uh, Forget about the Timbers. Forget about the Timbers <laughs> right now. Uh, it's Easter Sunday. It was a good day. Got to spend, spend a lot of good time. Yeah, around the league, it was a good, good weekend. Timbers game, not so much. Yeah, let's just let's just go ahead and get started with our wrap up of week seven, I believe, of MLS. And first, a little bit of Champions League. So Vancouver Whitecaps hosting LAFC. This is one of our predicted games of the week. And LAFC thrashes Vancouver three zero at BC Place. That was uh my prediction. I so I, I predicted two zero. Um, you let your heart take over for your mind, and you said Vancouver is going to win 1-0. So I ended up getting the point for that one. Yeah, looking good for for LAFC. Dennis Buanga, I think, probably looking at like an MVP season like for him. This guy looks insane. And he's kind of like a weird... Like point in his career where you would think he's gonna get like a big move, but for whatever reason, I could see this guy just like sticking around in MLS. Yeah, yeah, I think I think LAFC is one of the few teams that can, because yeah, the allure would be to go back to Europe, maybe play for a club that's competing for Champions League or something like that. But LAFC has the brand and the money, and I think the the allure to keep somebody like this in the league, which is exciting. There's some interesting stuff though I want to talk about. So Chiellini actually when he was signing uh in MLS was rumored with Vancouver and apparently so after the game this happened uh Chiellini gave his shirt to Vanny Sartini and somebody was asking him after the game why he gave the other team's coach a jersey and he was saying yeah because this team was going to sign me and we had like advanced talks and like the city's really cool stadium's cool but then he ended the quote but he was like but they're just not a very good team and lfc is a good team so i chose them (laughs) so it was kind of like a backhanded compliment but i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting that's brutal but also really funny could you picture like it would be so out of place for me to see like a such a recognizable player like chiellini to just be anchoring the vancouver whitecaps Taking over for Kendall Watson or Watson or I can never remember how that guy's last name goes. That's right, Watson. You should Waston. you should know better. Uh, I moving, that. I hated that guy. Moving on to the league though, big big matchup here. Kind of the two titans of the East right now. Cincinnati hosting Philadelphia Union, and Cincinnati wins one zero. Another like one zero win for Cincinnati. They're looking good. I believe they're top of the East, and but. Once again, Philadelphia, their form is not looking great right now. It's it's looking rough. And everybody keeps saying, like, I'm guilty of this. It's like everybody's like, they're going to turn it around. They're going to turn it around. They have the quality. And it's just like a weird, like, what is going on with this team? They're, they're in, like, a weird lull. And it's it's almost like you would think them to they would be more fired up after finishing in second place in literally everything they competed in last year. Like, they just... Couldn't get couldn't get over the finish line for any like trophies, and for whatever reason, it just seems like they aren't really up for it this year. Yeah, big big result for Cincinnati. Yeah, top of the East, Philly technically outside of the playoffs right now, so much to improve for them. 
I think I think they're more focused on a CCL run, though. I think that would be a big target for them. I agree. I think I think that's definitely the big move for them. But you gotta you can't help but think that they're probably regretting uh, letting Pat Noonan leave and go coach his own team in the same conference, make the exact same team. In theory, next up, DC United hosting Columbus Crew and a two nil away win for the Crew. Lucas Zellaran, PK, and Christian Ramirez with another goal for the man I was trying to shop around in my FM save because I wanted a, a younger and better striker. But yeah, this Chase guy here, we're on our FM MLS simulator we're doing. He I was I was in the I was in the market for a striker within the league, kind of a depth piece. And this guy has the gall to just offer me Christian Ramirez for on a, on a cheap deal while also looking for his own MLS striker replacements. But hey, man, what can you say? You got to wheel and deal. You gotta you gotta make the moves when you can. That's right. You know, and the crew starting to figure it out. And I I don't know. It's looking good back there in Columbus. However, our boy Egan Hughes did not make it onto the field again. It's a it's a slow rise to the top. You know, you can't just you can't just break in so easily. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Especially as a center back, that's a tough position to to break into in this league. You know, for him to be the next Tim Parker, it's not looking good so far. So next up, LAFC again. LAFC in the league hosting Austin FC. Number one versus number two in the West last year, and then also in the conference finals. And LAFC 3 0, Dennis Buanga hat trick. Dominate. Dominates Austin, dude. Just see the stats 26 shots throughout this game. Absolutely dominant performance. Dennis Buanga is looking unreal. And yeah, on one hand, you have LAFC which doing something rare in the league, which is just going dominant one season and then doing the same thing next year. And then you have the opposite, a team like Austin, who also was really good last year, but then falling off, kind of like Philadelphia has to start the year. And it just shows you how crazy this league is and how rare it is for a team like LAFC to maintain this sort of level of play, which is really impressive. Good on them. Good on LAFC. I wish the Timbers would do something even slightly similar to that. We might miss the playoffs two years in a row. That That's consistent. <laughs> two years of mediocre geo-ball. Miami, Inter-Miami hosting FC Dallas. FC Dallas, 1-0 away win. Jesus Ferreira scores. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I just root against Miami. And they've done nothing to, like, really make me not be a fan of them. I think it's just the fact that, like, freaking Phil Neville's their coach and it seems like they're just they're trying to pump a ton of money into this and I'm just not I just I just don't like them that much I don't know why bit of not controversy but some maybe some heads clashing in the locker room which is what a lot of people were saying might happen with Yosef Martinez Phil Neville comes out and says straight up about Martinez he needs to play better to the press <laughs> and he says didn't he do something similar to Freaking Hiwain last year as well. With Phil Neville, probably. I know there was some stuff, but Hiwain kind of turned it around. You kind of see that with some coaches. They, 
it, this wasn't like aggressive and he was just being honest, but they'll kind of call out their own players to kind of get the best out of them. I just know Yosef Martinez towards the end at Atlanta, I think, I think with all of the coaches, except for maybe Tata Martino, he's had some sort of beef with, with Frank DeBoer and then with Gonzalo Pineda. And then I'm spacing the guy they had in between um, the Argentinian coach, but there is some, uh, some doubt there and maybe it's paying off. Yosef hasn't had a goal yet. So for Miami, that guy's passed it. Do you remember when he had his quote about like Miguel Amaron had already left and like Yosef was like, given these opportunities to leave and everybody was talking to him and he was like, Atlanta is my Barcelona or Real Madrid and like all this stuff. And now look at him. Then he left in two years, like a few years down the road. The guy just can't, can't even buy a goal in Miami. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And I think Miami important thing we haven't noted. So they're kind of the rock of their team. Gregor, their center midfielder has been out because of an injury he had a couple weeks ago. And they just haven't looked the same since. And I think that's part of their downfall. But next up, New England Revolution just continuing to show out. 4-0 win over Montreal. Montreal being rough right now. 4-0 this game. 5-0 last week. Um, but Carlos Hill with another goal. Bobby Wood scores. Veroni, their striker, gets a goal this season. It's looking good for New England. Kind of surprising. I don't know why. Like, I didn't have very high expectations for them this year. And uh, they're kind of proving that Bruce Arena knows a thing or two about managing in MLS. But poor Montreal, man. This team, like, last year was their chance. Like, they're not going to find another chance like that for quite a while, I feel like. with the Especially with the way the league is kind of seemingly changing and how like we're maybe starting to see a super team in LAFC had Seattle kind of be one of the more dominant teams. It's probably going to be a while for a team like Montreal to get a chance at a trophy like that again in MLS cup. But next up we have the New York Red Bulls playing San Jose earthquakes, a one, one draw Christian Espinosa scores in the 80th minute with a late goal, but then, Tom Barlow scores, and this just looks like a typo, but in the 90th plus 17 minutes. <laughs> so, oh boy, Tommy B getting on the score sheet late. Yeah, I saw there was like 21 minutes of added time to this game um, due to some controversy that happened earlier on. What, what happened in this game, Jacob? So we're not going to really address it head on because it hasn't really come out, but pretty much the Red Bull striker, Dante Venzier, the Belgian player, who I think was his first start, too, because <laughs> yeah, he, he hadn't been starting, and a lot of people were upset, but had an altercation verbally with Abobasi of San Jose, and Abobasi said there was some racial slurs. Dante Venzier denied it. The refs delayed the game for, like, 20 minutes, so that's why there was a lot of stoppage time. But it's tough right now because you don't really know what happened, so don't really want to address anything before the ball gets rolled out. Freaking Dante Van Zier in his first start. Man's 23. Comes all the way across the world to play in the MLS. Can't can't get a start for the first, like, nine match weeks. Just, you know, gets. I think he's had, like, one goal so far. And then finally gets his big break and has to go out there and just start dropping some slurs on some people. <laughs> my, 
My <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly dropped some slurs on Jeremy Bobasi and his weird neck brace necklace thing he wears. I I, yeah. I always see him wear that and I can't remember what it's for. It's I, like a I wanna say it's like a it's like a cooling device or something that keeps like I think it helps with like breathing or something as well. Yeah, and interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it or maybe something with I don't remember. I think I think it pushes on some pressure points in the neck that like helps with cramping or some something weird like that. Very interesting. All right, next up, New York City FC versus Atlanta in the beating MLS, beating the Portland Timbers in MLS Cup derby, and one one draw. Gabriel Pereira scores for New York, Giorgio Jumakis for Atlanta, and a point apiece. Red card in the 62nd minute. Good on Atlanta for pushing through and getting a goal after getting a red card. Yeah, yeah. You'd love to see a team go out and do that. Uh, but next up, this one was one another one of our predicted games. And I would say the Kai Kamara derby, but he's played for like <laughs> half the league. So. Played for, he's played for literally, he's played and scored for like a third of the league. And I heard somebody talking about this, but it's kind of funny, like, you know when players, like, score against old teams and they don't celebrate? Kai Kamara, if he were to do that, like, would never celebrate a goal in MLS. Man's played for, like, so many teams. Yeah, and I think, I was going to say he was on Minnesota last year, but he was on it's Montreal, like two right? two years ago he was at Minnesota. And it's just crazy, this guy. He's, like, what, 38, 39, and scores a brace to get his team the win. And I don't know, I mean... People were like upset with this signing at Chicago because you know they've had a poor start and you know things were looking great and they score they signed this like thirty nine year old striker who has locker room problems but here he is just scoring a brace to let his team win he looks good on the field I don't know how he does it it's crazy dude good on them that's like a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing in Portland like I don't know how much longer his career is gonna last but he's like a guy that with our striker issues I wish we would have got him at some point. Like, yeah, you know who you're like. I think Chicago brought him in with the intention of him being like the Alan Gordon of this team. Like, throw this dude on, <laughs> like late in the game, what and an he's honor. gonna like, <laughs> he's gonna like snag a goal. I dude, Alan Gordon was like elite at like if you put him in for like the last five ten minutes of a game, that guy will just snag like a weird header goal out of nowhere. Did Alan Gordon just dunk his head in a like a? jug of water before every time he got he got <laughs> subbed in his hair was always drenching wet i don't know if it was sweat or what but he'd always like do that thing where he pushes his hair back man was running laps around the field the whole game dude just working up a sweat so when he would win it you know it just looked like he was already playing one of the first times this is years ago but for the u.s men's national team when i knew jurgen klinsman needed to go 2015 gold cup where we finished fourth place so we were in the semifinal game and we're losing to jamaica at home 2-1 jürgen klinsman we we need to buy a goal he subs in alan gordon for the national team and dude that's his calling card that's, that's how, when you sub in alan gordon that's how desperate we were as a nation and i liked alan gordon he actually former timbers player and i think the usl so you like but, him because of that one picture of him Oh, that you'll never have. That's such a cursed photo. I don't ever want to see that again. Chase always just like <laughs> whenever we're hanging out, he'll just like turn the phone and just show me that picture, or just send it in our group chat. But 
golden locker room picture of Alan Gordon after a win. But <laughs> we went a little off topic there. But what a what a win for Chicago though, because Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota was undefeated in the, on the season, and they just beat St. Louis too. Poor, poor Chicago can't buy any minutes on any like MLS coverage, dude. Like we start talking about them for a second and how they got a win, and we just <laughs> start appreciating Alan Gordon instead. That's really messed up. He actually played for them too, but isn't it isn't it funny how you speaking of Chicago, you were just talking about how last week I was just I how I always say. You know, I always feel bad for Chicago and their fans and stuff, and they finally do win, and you instantly turn it over to Alan Gordon. Dude, great win for them. Who has a better reputation in MLS, Alan Gordon or the Chicago Fire? I think if you asked any MLS fan who isn't a fan of a team Alan Gordon played for, I think they wouldn't. I think they'd choose Chicago. But here's a weird one, but I think – that I feel really good about because I'll explain why. So Houston 3-0 playing LA Galaxy. This was a weird one. So Hector Herrera scores in the 35th minute. Amin Bossi scores two goals, 65th and 73rd. And then LA Galaxy gets two red cards. And then Hector Herrera gets a red card. So this is just a nuts game. But I was like high on Houston this year. I think they would be challenging for those last few playoff spots and just competing. And they've been good this year. They've had some impressive wins and the LA galaxy. I was not impressed with their off season and I don't think they did enough. I think their defense looked awful. And I think I've been proven right by this. And another player I was excited about for newcomer of the year was, I mean, bossy. I didn't pick him, but I was really impressed with the signing and he's looked great. I think he scored I saw a stat. He's scored a PK in four straight games. So, what do you have to say? The hardest thing to do in soccer, score some penalty kicks. I don't know, man. I'm still not super high on uh, Houston. Part of that is the fact that I'm not super big on Ben Olsen. Um, but, I mean, credit to him. Like, he's he's got um, Hector Herrera, like, actually interested in, like, having a career as a professional soccer player again. Dude looked like he was just completely checked out last year. Like, not a care in the world. And that's why I was just so, like, so confident in saying that he was just going to be absolute crap this year. And now all of a sudden he's like, cares. But did you see the red cards for this game? First I did. one know. for uh, Martin Caceres, like, he was already on a yellow. The ref um, went to, like, VAR. And he, like, went up into the ref's box and, like, was kind of saying something in, the ear, in like, the ref's ear. And the ref, like, turned around, kind of, like, said something to him and then just gave him a second yellow and a red card. And he's off. Like, didn't do anything really super crazy. Just went up and, like, got too close, which obviously you're not allowed to do when the ref's doing a VAR check. Second red card, Douglas Costa in the 96th minute of the game goes to, like, ball kind of goes out for, like, a throw-in. It's, like, him and I don't remember who it was some uh, Houston player they're like side by side and balls going out and he just like grabs the guy around the neck and the shoulders and just completely just like throws him on the ground it's like one of the most like violent like just blatant red cards I've ever seen like Douglas Costa obviously is just completely lost the plot like what a poor signing let's turn out to be I (laughs) believe he's still a is he still a DP for them I think so dude man went from like just Doing little flip flap elasticos in the Bundesliga to just couldn't buy a goal in MLS. Can't 
can't do anything. Fun player in FIFA, though, back in the day. Dude, that's a guy that one of our friends, like, I used to play FIFA against our buddy a lot, and I would just, I always love getting Douglas Costa and just doing skill moves. Like, he just is, like, one of those guys that, you just flick the stick around, yeah. For, and you don't, you have no idea what's gonna happen. Yeah. But since he has five star skills, it just looks good. <laughs> it just looks cool. Yeah, Houston in a playoff spot right now, and I don't know. I I think because they started off a little rough and they were they were playing well but not getting points. Now they're having some good performances as well. So I'm excited for them. Next up, Kansas City hosting Colorado, and Diego Rubio scores at his former club for a 1-0 Colorado win. Two just kind of depressing teams to watch this year, but (laughs) good on Colorado. Building off of that draw against LAFC, they held out LAFC last week. They get a win on the road. So, I don't know. I think that's that's a good result for Colorado. Yeah, honestly, I didn't watch this game. Don't blame you. I had a pretty busy weekend. I wasn't able to catch too much of the MLS, and this was like one of the last things on my list to catch but after a long work week you're telling me you weren't just thrilled to watch Kansas City versus Colorado the teams who've scored like Dude, three goals collectively on the year don't get me started on what grinds my gears about every MLS game being on the same night within like a 6 hour period yeah say goodbye to your saturday if you want to watch any of these games but Toronto FC and Nashville Nil-nil draw. Don't really want to dwell on that point each. Salt Lake, though, hosting Charlotte FC. And kind of a crazy game. So this was another one of our predicted games. And 3-1 win for Salt Lake over Charlotte. Carol Swiderski scores in the 27th minute with a nice strike outside the box. Left foot. And then in a six-minute span, Salt Lake scores three goals. One of them was really nice. It was Pablo Ruiz just has a nice shot from like outside the box, hits the underside of the bar. Then Anderson Julio scores, and then Jefferson Savarino scores. Just completely turned the game around. And big three points for Salt Lake because they had back to back 4 0 losses. And I think that's maybe a shift in the momentum for them, hopefully. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of tuned in for this game for a little bit, and I saw that Charlotte was up. Um, and I just, from like the way the game was flowing, I was like, okay, like not going to be too much that's going to happen in this game. I think Charlotte will probably hold on to this and just kind of snuff this game out. Come to find out rail salt Lake just freaking had like an energy drink for like a six minute period of the game and just popped off, but good on them. Their fans, their fans deserve that. I agree. Next up, Seattle dominant three nil win over St. Louis, all three goals in the second half. Josh Atencio scores nice strike outside the box, but I think we were kind of all waiting for a game like this to happen for St. Louis. They've been so good, but they lose last week. Okay, 1-0, but now they finally just have a crushing loss at Seattle. And the the article here on MLS.com says Seattle Sounders humble St. Louis, and I think that's well said. You know what I like about this game? As much as I like... it's like kind of a toss up right now. I really don't like St. Louis for whatever reason. Um, so I don't like either of these teams, but I really like that Seattle like stuck to their style of play because they've been so effective in the past with like playing like 
really fast-paced, counter-attacking, like, skillful, like, kind of fluid, like, sit back, soak up pressure, and just, like, go at teams and be really killer. But this season, they've really just dominated the ball and been really, really deadly with it, and they stuck to that, and they just dominated St. Louis. Without... 61% possession in this game. Yeah, really impressive. Without Paulo too, he was out this game, too, so... I know last year when they lost him, that's when their season kind of started to get rough. And but just if they can win, especially without like arguably their best player, that's really scary for the rest of the league. Moving on, last matchup of the week, Cascadia <laughs> Cup. Vancouver wins one nil at Portland. This is just a for it's tough because I don't want to just discredit Vancouver being completely dominant and just say Portland sucked, but and Portland couldn't even pass out of their half to save their life. And it was just an onslaught of chances for Vancouver. It wasn't for Ivicic just being a solid goalkeeper, one of the best in the league. This would have been just a blowout win. Yeah, it was I was at like a like a family party and I had this game up on my phone. Um dude, I hardly even watched it because every time I would like spend like a little bit of time like watching it. There was like so much going on and I would be like, right, I'm going to focus on the game. I want to see what's going on here. And I would start watching it and I would just be like, what the heck am I watching? Like at one point, I think like probably three quarters of the game had gone by and Vancouver had like 65% possession to the Timbers, like 35%, which is just so horrible, dude. It was, it was such a terrible game to watch as a Timbers fan. I don't understand like our selection for our lineup. Our formation just looks like just complete crap right now. It's just so disjointed. Like, they can't even... It would be one thing if we're losing these games and we're, like, having some sort of chances or the defense at least is solid or there's some bright spot. But there's literally no bright spot I can think of other than Ivicic being, like, a good goalkeeper. The fact that he's having to just... Even the goal was, like, three chances right in a row. Ivicic is making saves. And then they cross in the ball past like three of our defenders. Brian White's there for a tap in. It's like a, I don't know. I know you're a big like geo guy, but at what point like is it gonna be like a geo out kind of thing, dude? Because it's gotten to the point now where like, as a coach, if you're going through a rough patch, it's acceptable to me at least. It's acceptable when you stick to like your ideology, and Geo's like stuck to his like firm like defense first ideology despite never getting a solid defender during his whole period there but he hasn't like stuck to a formation for a while like it seems like our formation changes every single week yeah i'm i'm a big geo guy and he's had some really impressive moments um but i i was you know reading some of the reddit threads and just fan reactions and a lot of people are kind of myself included coming to realize he's like such a likable guy like for your club like he's so bought in and passionate and like you really like him but maybe for his successful years were we getting bailed out by just Blanco and Valeri just being like amazing at what they do and just bailing them out in big moments because even in our cup runs I feel like we usually aren't the dominant team it's just like individual moments that just get us through like you know what I probably you're probably just about to say this, but one moment like sums that up perfectly is that Blanco goal in KC, that was just like a banger from like 35 yards out, that like everybody on the field like had their hands up, like nobody could believe it, but like 
that like sums up Geo's time at Portland to me. Like I've never seen a game where it's like, wow, like our system dominated that team. Like the way we were set up is why we won that game. The only two times I can think of, and it's like coincidentally versus the same team. And I think he just like turns it up for these big games for some reason. It was against Seattle at home last year where we lost six, two. No, (laughs) two years ago that was, but yeah, feel bad for anybody who went to that game, but (laughs) any Portland fans, but no, it was at home last year. So yeah, Portland versus Seattle. It's been this weird thing where the away team gets the win. So like when Seattle plays in Portland, they've been winning and vice versa. And so Portland actually beat Seattle at home, which is kind of surprising because the way it's been, it's been really lopsided in that sense. And he just set up Portland so well where it was like watching Vancouver today. Seattle just couldn't pass out of their half even. It was just like completely dominant from Portland. And they just he managed the game so well. And then in Seattle last year when they won 3-0, he just was like really committed to just that counterattack. And it just worked to tee. They won 3-0 in Seattle. But now, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn between this is just isn't working and then also, like, look at the hand he's been dealt with, like, the injuries and stuff. But we're starting to see some players back, and it's still not looking better. I was feeling more optimistic about after since those two draws. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm personally not a fan. Like I really love Geo, but I'm not a fan of his coaching style. And one of the main things for me is like when you set your team up to be like a defense first, like counterattacking style, you're setting your like every single game of the season to hinge completely on the first goal of the game. Like that's why Nashville is so like hit or miss, or like other teams like that because if you score on them first, they don't know what to do when you just let them have the ball. Like that's what happens to the Timbers. Like if we get scored on first and then we're just kind of given the ball, like we can't really create good chances until it's the last like two minutes of the game and we're just throwing people forward and we've like completely disregarded any sort of shape. So that's like the only real like pretty severe issue, but that's like one of the main issues I have with Geo is like we really hinge on like if we get the first goal of a game, we'll be somewhat solid and we'll like squeak out a win. But like, that's kind of it. If we get scored on first, we're we're struggling to try and like buy like buy our way back into the game. See, I'm really confused with, and I don't know how much he. I'm I know he has a say, but I don't know how much. But why are we signing a player like Evander? Like prioritizing that when I feel like we have some solid creative midfielders. We have Williamson who plays somewhat similarly. And he's shown he can be effective. We've had strikers like Felipe Mora and Niasgoda, who this season obviously hasn't worked, but they've proven they can score in the league. And yet our defense is abysmal. Why haven't we signed like a lockdown center back as a DP, like how we had with Ridgewell? I'm looking at our goals scored last season, and we scored 53 goals last season, which is better than all but three teams in the West last year. Um, LAFC, who had that historic season, Austin, and then the LA Galaxy, and we had we we scored enough goals last year to like win plenty of games. It's just the defense was just way lacking. Our goals against is on the flip side; it's higher than anybody except for 
four teams. So they've been scoring enough, not this season, but why? I don't know. It's like you said, if when we concede that first goal, it just throws everything out of the house for us because it's just it's just not able to the style just doesn't really compute with what we have. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know how much of the back room like Geo has control over and like the signings and everything, but when you have a guy that's been at the club for so long, everybody knows, like even like the most like basic fans who aren't super into it, like they know the style of play. Like somebody can go to a game and say like, "Oh, this guy like wants to defend and hit on the counter." Yet, like, our big center back signings that we get are freaking Larice Mabiala and Dario Zuperich. Zuperich, good quality center back. Mabiala shouldn't be on the team. Dude, just clear, like, locker room presence only. Zach McGraw, good depth piece, I think, who could be something good in the future. But, like, even then, like, and then we go and, like, get rid of, like, probably our best defender and Bill Tulioma. So just, it's just a big miss from the Timbers, dude. Like, I just, I don't really understand our team structure. I don't understand how we're building the team. But, I don't know, we should probably we should probably move on before we just rant about the Timbers too much. We're starting to sound like Arsenal fan TV, but for the Timbers. Yeah, I, no, you're right. I don't, I don't have anything else. I do have a lot else to say, <laughs> but I, I won't say anything else. It's kind of funny I said that because what we're diving into now we're going to be talking about something called the MLS iceberg. What is the MLS iceberg, Jacob? Anybody big on Reddit will know similar things. I'm a big Reddit guy for the league itself and for for other topics like I don't know, any shows I watch or just trying to get information. It's pretty pretty interesting stuff you can find on Reddit. However, the MLS lore iceberg was a post that was released and it's like those weird pictures you see on the internet where it's like shows you like the tip of an iceberg that's visible. And then, you know, that's like what people see of like an iceberg. And it's like, what, 3% of the iceberg. And it shows like underwater way how it's like 97% of what's actually there is like not visible. The MLS iceberg is just these weird conky moments in the league that just happens and MLS, but never really happens in other places, and they're just like weird classic moments of the league. This is like what me and Jacob live on. Like, if this is a weird way to say, it, but if Jacob and I were like cars, and you had to like fill us up so we could keep going, it would be with like MLS iceberg moments. Like, this is what gets me through my week. Just thinking of like weird, obscure moments in MLS that like most people wouldn't know or wouldn't remember. Like. Like, one, for example, that I think would kind of be more towards the tip of, like, the visible side of MLS is, like, the Timbers, like, double post, like, penalty shot or just, like, weird moments like that that, like, true, like, really good, like, MLS fans will never forget. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example. This is actually on the one. A few different people have posted this, but this is on the one I have on the, on the front of the league. Yeah, because a lot of people have saw that when it happened. Another one... For, so that's a good moment for the league, I think. This is a bad, this is a memeable moment. And this is like a lot of what the lower part of this iceberg discusses. The fight and win chant in all caps. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, just Google fight and win Seattle fam. 
and it's this this is like 10 or so years ago when the league was a little bit less kind of prestigious as it is now i wouldn't even call it a super prestigious league but there's this seattle super fan who's like leading his leading his boys in the in the ultra section and he's just hollering in his megaphone in a shirt that's too tight for him oh <laughs> Not because he's like out of shape or anything, yeah. but just you know when you wear a shirt that's too tight and it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just yeah, and he's just doing the shout, and it's become like a meme around the world to the point where you see like people in like like weird like lower division like England games are like doing the fight and win chant. But another one before we 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 have like a few. Uh, we have a couple each that we're going to um, really dive into and talk about and explain. But another Seattle one was the upside down TIFO. Do you remember that? Like they raised the TIFO and it was upside down. Didn't they? It was like some of the words and stuff for it, right? It was just completely. I think the whole TIFO was upside down when they raised it. And it was it was great. I I love the, uh, the random Seattle moments. But this this is what me and Jacob really get off on. This is what like really just freaking gets me fired up. Like this is like our secret language we can speak in front of all our friends where it's really just yeah, the lore. I'm it's a, like I could just look at Jacob, I could be like, dude, the Oscar Pereja tissue throw to Caleb Porter <laughs> and like everybody else in the room be like, dude, what are you talking about? And this is the thing, like our our friend group that we game with and play soccer with and go to soccer games with you know, invested in Portland and somewhat invested in the league, but a lot of them more European or like our one friend, he's a really good Celtic fan and he watches Man United. Our other friend's a really big Premier League guy, so he doesn't really know these niche MLS things. Yeah, like you're talking about the Oscar Pereja tissue moment. You want to explain that one? So this uh, this was a game... I don't even remember what year it was. It was, it was during Caleb Porter's tenure. Twenty thirteen, uh, I believe. Yeah, it was. It was during Caleb Porter's time in um, in Portland. I was actually at this game, um, but it was against Orlando. You were at the legendary Oscar Pereira. I was. I was game. at this game, and I saw it happen because I I kind of had a habit of doing this beforehand. But I loved to stick around after the game because I loved whenever like some beef would happen. Like, I love, like, when players would get fired up, people would, like, get in each other's faces. And I would always watch the coaches because they're always, like, pretty civil and it's, like, a really quick handshake. But I would always watch them after the game hoping that something would happen. And this is one of the times where it did. So Timbers win that game. Don't remember the scoreline. But there was some uh, some controversy earlier in that game, and Oscar Pereja was pretty fired up. So when they go to shake hands, Caleb Porter... um first time in his career but not the last time in his career gets uh i was gonna bring that second one up right after so gets uh gets told he's not gonna get a handshake he, he goes up hand up hand out you know ready to shake oscar Pereja's hand and oscar Pereja has a tissue that at the time i thought was a dirty tissue and he goes and like throws it at caleb porter kind of and like throws his hand up and like walks away from him and didn't shake his hand and uh, they exchanged a few words. Caleb Porter had his scarf tightly uh, tucked around his neck. But, yeah, that was an iconic MLS iceberg moment. So how I always interpreted that when watching that, like, 
as a middle schooler or high schooler, what whatever year that was, was that Oscar Perea didn't like some call or something like that, or maybe Caleb Porter didn't like a call that, and Caleb Porter was like complaining to the ref, and I, I saw like Oscar Perea pretty much saying like, "You're a baby, like here's a tissue because you're crying like over this call." Either way, yeah, handing somebody a tissue or throwing it at them, kind of a weird moment, but. This is still on Caleb Porter meeting with a coach at Providence Park because next up, Caleb Porter, I like how we said we're not going to, first of all, talk about like Timbers moments, but <laughs> we're still just talking about it. This isn't really, this second one isn't really Timbers, but this was when Portland hosted the MLS All-Star game yeah. against Bayern Munich. Yeah, Bayern Munich came to town. I was at this game. I believe you I was were at too. The game as well. Actually, I had, it was only time I've ever had front row seats in my life. I was front row on the halfway line for that game. It was insane. One of the probably cooler games you could have front row tickets to. Because, yeah, this is right after Germany won the World Cup 2014. Bayern Munich was stacked with all those German players. And there was the MLS All-Star friendly. And MLS All-Stars had some big names. We had Thierry Henry, Tim Cahill, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Landon Donovan, DeAndre Yedlin, like a lot of famous players kind of around American soccer. And then on Bayern, you had Robin, Ribery, Schweinsteiger, um, Manuel Neuer, Lewandowski. And it was just a really exciting game. One of the best all-star games in league history. And it was a really like intense game, actually, for a friendly. And there were some hard challenges. And you know Miss, who did those hard challenges? One was Ozzy Alonso, right? Yes. I hated that guy. I got a side note. Me and a couple of friends went, because like, during the All-Star Week, they do like events in the city. We went to a meet and greet, and it was Seattle. Or it was Ozzy Alonso, which I don't know why they would make a Seattle legend player who hated Portland do a meet and greet in Portland. In Portland. But we got a selfie with him, and he just looked pissed off the entire time. I also got a picture with Alexi Lawless at this game. So, <laughs> two I was... ML... just two American soccer villains. Hey, Alexi's a hero in my book, man. But he's got some terrible takes. He, dude. he does. But anyway, yeah, Pep wasn't happy because there were some there were some rough challenges. But Caleb Porter goes to shake his hand after the game, and MLS All Stars win two one, and Caleb Porter's kind of just walking around. And Pep is nowhere to be found. He just, like, kind of at first, like, kind of finger waves him and, like, points like a no-no and then just, like, refuses to go and acknowledge Caleb Porter and the staff. And I was re- as I was reading about this, an extra layer to this is Caleb Porter is, like, a huge Pep fan. He, like, really likes his style of play, and he just tried to emulate that within his philosophy for coaching. DeAndre Yedlin said, too, when he was talking about this on a podcast, said, like, when Porter was coach at the college at Akron, like they called him Pep Porter or something like that because he just like loved to like bring up Pep Guardiola. So poor Caleb Porter's idol, just like he finally gets to coach against him and Pep just totally ghosts him. Never meet your heroes, kids. That's right. Let's get one more each. How about that? All right. I have a moment that I was recently reminded of, but this was the Portland Timbers penalty kick against DC United um, 
back in like Portland's kind of first couple seasons. This was eleven years ago. Um, go ahead. May I interject? I yeah. think all of our all of our uh, iceberg lores have somewhat included Portland in some capacity so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have. But this this is just a really good like weird moment that kind of like I think emulates what the iceberg is about. Like this is just a moment that. I don't think many people would remember unless you're just like a random MLS sicko. But this was um, Portland and uh, D.C. are playing in Portland. D.C.'s up 1-0. Portland wins a penalty kick. This was before VAR. So when I was re-watching this, it was kind of weird seeing like these calls be made. And there's no like, oh, are they going to check it? It was kind of like a weird moment. But um, Kenny Cooper gets taken down in the box like during a cross. Uh, so penalty kick, he steps up to take the penalty kick, shoots it to the left, Bill Hamid stuffs it, and uh, immediately gets called back. Bill Hamid's furious, runs at the sideline ref, because they have a sideline ref on the goal line, and uh, he had come off his line about a yard. He's all arguing it. Really obvious call. Um, anyway, so retake the penalty kick a second time. Kenny Cooper steps up. The mind games are at an, an all-time high. Is he going to shoot the same side? Is he going to shoot the other side? Is he going to go down the middle? He goes to the opposite side. Bill Hamid guesses right, stuffs it again. He's all fired up, gets called back a second time. He gets in the ref- the second referee's face. The AR is like, looks terrified. Like he's like backing up away from Bill Hamid, and he's like waving his flag like in his face. Um, referee has to come break it up, gives Bill Hamid a yellow card. So there's going to be a third penalty kick for this one incident now. Bill Hamid doesn't know how to stay on his line. Um, Kenny Cooper wants to go take this kick again. He steps up to grab the ball, and Timbers coach John Spencer is screaming his head off at him. He's pissed. He's super mad, and he's saying Jack Jewsbury needs to take this kick. Timbers legend, Jack Jewsbury. So he's the captain at the time. He takes the ball from Kenny Cooper. Kenny Cooper's upset, doesn't want to not take the kick. And uh, Jack Jewsbury steps up and absolutely just rifles the ball into the back of the net. Just a, just pure power. Love love that moment. I also really like the call on this by John Strong. I'm a weird, a, a weird like niche of mine is like when like commentary moments are like super good and like kind of iconic. John Strong, best American soccer commentator in my books, just. Legendary, dude. You're legendary discrediting calls. Jake Zivin so hard right now. Jake Zivin is great. Portland has had some great commentators. Robbie Earl too, who works for the Premier League studio. But I don't know, man. John Strong, that's a great moment. Uh, let's also Bill Hamid moving to USL like a week or two ago. Memphis nine oh one. Yeah, that's second a... tier in American soccer. So that's a weird move. I would have liked to see him come to Portland. Even if like he was a backup, like just get two random MLS like him and Bingham <laughs> being our backups. Bingham was looking good before that unfortunate injury. I got one more though before we end end this show with our predictions. I was gonna talk about the Columbus Crew s- <laughs> scoreboard fire, but I'm gonna save that for a different week <laughs> because I completely forgot about this, and I think this is more this is more embodying of MLS. The I think it was the first year they did the Hudson River Derby. So New York Red Bulls versus NYCFC 2015 when NYCFC first joined the league. So 
the first, I don't know if you remember, those first couple of years of that rivalry was really intense. Like, packed stadiums, they really hated each other. And so, Red Bulls join, or NYCFC joins the league, and I think it was the first game at Red Bulls, and maybe it was the second game uh, at Red Bulls, but it was Pirlo and Frank Lampard's first game there, I believe. And New York Red Bulls had a TIFO that was just Andrea Pirlo and Frank Lampard, like, looking super old, and they're, like, walking on, like, those old-person walkers. Oh, that I remember people. that, yeah. I remember seeing that TIFO bunch. And so Red Bulls had that TIFO, and this was the year Jesse Marsh coached them to the supporter Shield. They were, like, a super good club. And there's this moment. So this is two-part. So one, that, that TIFO there happening, just depicting – Lampard and Pirlo is just old men. But then in the game, MLS legend Mike Grilla just totally yes. makes Frank Lampard, embarrasses him. And I remember that clip went around so much just by the MLS page, and it was just awesome. Your boy, Mike Grillino, dude. That's right. That guy was, like, really fun to watch, surprisingly. I had no idea who he was, and then he just was just crazy. For me, he's, like, in the same category as, like, a Sal Zizo. Like, dude was electric with the ball, but... Dude, that guy is... Sal Zizo is... You're going to blast me for even knowing this is there, but the Applebee's in Salem, Oregon has a Sal Zizo, like, <laughs> yes, cut out on the that. wall. I knew that. I deliver there sometimes, and I've seen it, dude. It's so weird. Yeah, and... If you don't, I was going to say if you don't know who Sal Zizo is, which 99% of people won't, but former Timbers player, but played at Red Bulls. I think he won the championship with Atlanta, technically. I think he was on the books at Atlanta. Didn't play, of course, but he had a food cart, too, in Portland. You remember that? (laughs) This could be MLS Iceberg here. We just figured it out. My My man's about to get hired for the Dos Equis commercials. Most interesting man in the world. Yeah, Sal Zizo's food cart. This was his first year in MLS in Portland. Zizo's FC. It was a uh, Zizo's FC. Was it Zizo's what kind of food? Was it, dude? If it was pizza, it was like Zizo's pizza. Like, there's there's a play fried on word chicken. there somewhere. You think it was fried chicken? What was it? Not fried chicken. It was Italian food. It was Italian. cannolis and. This is some, like, MLS lore right here. This Timbers article says, Zizo and teammate David Horst was enjoying a cannoli downtown in the rain last week. So they had Italian comfort food, but yeah, Sal Zizo. And then when he got traded, like, three years later, they just shut down the food court. That was it. All right, all right. We got to get back to your MLS iceberg. Because you were saying Mike Grillino, um... Nutmeg Frank Lampard. That was the first part. What's the second part? It was the TIFO was the first part. So that was it. It was just the culmination oh, of those two because that first year when City was in the league, New York City, they they were kind of poor and Red Bulls was like the opposite. And their supporters groups were really mad at like the ownership for not delivering on the cup. And this game, I think at first, Red Bulls were kind of like top dog in this rivalry and they're just mocking of like their super old like aging star players and then this random mls dude just nutmegging one of their marquee players i think really embodied like 
MLS. I love seeing MLS where you have these guys who are like world-class players who, albeit, are a little bit past their prime playing in the league. And some of them even play well. But then you have just some random guy who's like fresh out of college who just randomly locks down or like nutmegs like a like a world former world class player. I think it's awesome. You love to see it. That's the beauty of the MLS, honestly. Yeah, so we're gonna wrap up this show with some predictions for next week. You wanna start us off, Jace? So our first game we're gonna go ahead and predict. We have a. Uh... Eastern Conference clash of New England versus Columbus. Columbus flying high off some uh, some pretty high-scoring games, and New England kind of playing with a chip on their shoulder after a poor season last year, uh, looking really solid. I, I, I don't know. This is a tough game to decide. I can, I can literally see every way. This I can see a draw, and I, I can see either team winning. This is a tough one. You know what I? What pushes me over the edge is Columbus is at home. And they have so much momentum, and I think their fan base is really going to show out for this game. I think Columbus is going to win this one 3-1. I'm going to go... See, I'm really high on New England. I want to go... thinking a draw, but... You know what? I'm going to go 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. Carlos Heelman. I One of my favorite players in the league, and he's been in good form, so... All right. Riding with him. All right. Next up, we've <laughs> talked about him a lot. Timbers versus Seattle. We can't, even though we're Timbers fans, we talk about him a lot. Um, you can't ignore a big rivalry clash like this. This would be kind of sim- same as us, like ignoring like El Trafico or I'm trying to think of like another big rivalry in MLS, like Toronto, the, the Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain Derby. No, I think. So a lot of pundits now are saying El Trafico is the biggest. We're biased, but it's got to be Cascadia Cup, Portland, Seattle. I'll, I'll, I'll give. I think these are no doubt about it. The top two for sure. But this is a huge matchup, no matter what the standings are. Yeah, just, I, I think it's one of those things that every fan knows, like Timbers and Seattle, like biggest rivalry. But then, like, I think just the market. Like that's why they push the the LA one so much because there's just more of a market for it. It's just bigger names. Yeah, and I think that's well said. So Timbers hosting Seattle. Timbers in terrible form. Seattle looking amazing, which you know normally I would say this is like a classic like Timbers game where they like you expect them to lose like four zero, but then they somehow like pull out a win and it like turns around their season. However, this this time around, I just don't see anything that really encourages me. The only bright spot is, like I said before, Ivicic. I think Frank Boley looked promising, but honestly, I'd be happy with the draw in this case, which is kind of depressing, but I'm going to go Seattle 2-1. Seattle 2-1. I... Really hurts, but... I... Really kind of agree with you, unfortunately. I think Seattle's going to run away with this one, but my heart can't let me say it, so I'm going to go with a uh, a 1-1 draw for this one. I think Timbers are going to probably like sneak out a goal early, and they're just going to try and defend for the rest of the game, and Jordan Morris is going to find a sneaky way to score at the back post. I hate it, though. You know, last week we were talking about 
Jordan Morris. We were talking about stadium concessions, and you were making fun of me because I like to drink chocolate milk. And you were saying, what if Jordan Morris scored in the Timbers Army and then all the Timbers fans just rain chocolate milk on him? If that happens, that would be really weird. But anyway. I feel like I'm in a fever dream if that happens. Yeah. New York Red Bulls hosting Houston Dynamo. I'm going big on Houston. Those are my boys. I'm going 3-1 Houston. 3-1 Houston. See, I don't know about Red Bulls. They haven't been super convincing this year. Like, they kind of seem like they're losing their identity a little bit for whatever reason, even though they have, like, a global identity. Like, since they're just a big soccer, like, corporation, like, every Red Bull team around the world plays the same way. But they don't seem to really stick to it like they should. So, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna be a little bit boring. I'm going to go with another 1-1 draw on this one. I, I don't think Houston's going to pull it out away. Is it away? Right? Yeah, yeah Red, Red Bulls hosting. I think also with the that whole controversy surrounding their striker, I doubt he plays. We saw a similar situation with Taxi Fountas last year, and he like didn't play. I think it was at the end of the season, so I, I think they sat him out for either the rest of the year or for a few weeks, roughly. But either way, I'm I'm picking Houston. I think they look strong. It's a tough, uh, tough go of it. For this upcoming uh, predictions, it's kind of tough picking. Like uh, after the that Columbus New England match, there wasn't a ton of games that super excited me. Like Timber's game usually would, but I'm just not looking forward to it. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm especially for Seattle. You're always pumped. We're always pumped for Seattle to play, but we've just looked so bad. They've looked so good. But anyway, yeah, like we said, we also too try to give some love to these teams out there that normally wouldn't be on here. We're just not going to talk about the same teams every week, but I think that wraps it up for us. Yeah, that's uh, that's all we got today. Uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, but I had some fun diving into that MLS iceberg. This is, uh, this is something I would like to dive into a little bit more in the future because this is my happy place. Love it. So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Email us, please, if you have any questions, any topics you'd like us to cover, any any hate mail even. I think I would be kind of intrigued to reach some of that. MLS Netboys. It's just going to be our friends who just airing out everything they feel when we play pro clubs. Probably. MLSNetboys at gmail.com. This has been Jacob and Chase. Thank you guys for listening. Keegan Hughes, come on the podcast. Keegan Hughes, come on the show.